Rachel Daly is a striker. The end. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. She's got great passing range. She scores goals. She's great in the air. Brilliant in the air. Yeah. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Get all the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports So what's this A Slight Tangent business that you've just downloaded? Okay, I'll give it to you very quickly A Slight Tangent is a weekly, mostly weekly segment we do on Off The Ball In the evenings, myself, Joe Malloy, Michael McCarthy, Arthur O'Dee, Will O'Callaghan, the PM team really, the FM PM team, where we take an hour and we just chat about whatever's taken our fancy of a given week. Often we're getting lots of emails increasingly, a slight tangent at offtheball.com. Thank you for the emails, which will uh, dictate the flow of the conversation. Uh, This started during the summer when the football show was obviously very empty and there was no football and we had to fill three hours a night. So once a week we said, well, let's just chat away amongst ourselves. And... uh, proved to be reasonably popular and we've kept it up. So just to give you a taster, this is part of an hour-long conversation where we talk about all sorts of things. Here is the football section, seen as you've downloaded the uh, football show. So you can have a little listen. Really, this is just a teaser in the hope that you will go and find us. The place where you can get a slight tangent every week is the Off The Ball Daily. We have various... um, Sections where you can get different things. There's off the ball rugby. You're in off the ball football. Off the ball daily is where you'll find a slight tangent. So search off the ball daily and you'll see a a slight tangent there once a week. So sit back, enjoy this week's edition. Or you know what? You can just go to off the ball daily and listen to the whole thing from this week in its entirety. I will stop talking now. Thank you. Is it a case that more and more commentators are not in the stadiums? I know during COVID this all changed massively. But since crowds have come back, I still think a lot are based in studio. If it is the case, do commentators get to see several different monitors or is it basically the feed that we see on TV? I know years ago it was very obvious when they were in a studio as opposed to there in person. I find it harder and harder to tell these days. Regards, Sean. They just get the feed that you're getting, Sean. Yeah. And you'll see that because so often now they're hesitant when a goal is scored because they're waiting for the offside flag to go up. So you can tell. The best way to tell if somebody's at a game or not. If you really want to tune in, it's at a goal and particularly an offside goal because they'll react when they see uh, the flag on the TV screen as opposed to looking down the line and seeing the flag before you do. That's how you know. I think it was Spain and Germany at the weekend where one of the common teams clearly weren't in the stadium and the TV director cut to the wrong shot Yeah, and you could hear the dead silence where clearly they had no idea what was happening. You could hear the crowd cheering but no idea what was happening and then they kind of kicked back in afterwards. That's the giveaway. Darren Maloney was able to talk about the protester the other evening who Mm. was off camera. Kenny Cunningham. (laughs) <laughs> next time he's in where's this going next time he's in i got to ask him Kenny Cunningham was talking about how cool it was in the stadium for England around <laughs> it's just an immersive experience and he was he's back <laughs> he was back in the Montreal studios in time for the next game now I, there the next morning something's yeah. gone awry <laughs> taxpayer well, money has been spent on getting him flights. in and out of Doha in the space of 24 hours <laughs> or he was literally lying about how cold it was in the stadium <laughs> you can't do that as a journalist I hope he was picked up on that is Kenny a journalist? He's an analyst. He can't be sitting there going, never thought I'd see the day cold in the stadium with the aircon. What about that, Des? Des, no reply back. <laughs> <laughs> and here come Poland. <laughs> You're on your own here, Kenny. Uh, I was talking to a commentator about this, uh, kind of like post-COVID and how there is a kind of a, there is a little bit of a change there. I think they're, they kind of realise the setup is a lot better. So maybe they are only getting the feed, but it used to be on a, small little monitor 
I think they felt a little bit more removed for it. Whereas now I think people are watching it in rooms with huge TVs, feeling a little bit more able to do it, a little bit more used to it, I would say, as well. And there is a sense that there's a pick-and-choose element to going to games now that might not have been there before COVID, yeah. if you want to kind of take the, the direct question of the, of the texter. I think it's okay. I don't think you miss out on all that much, I have to say. I think commentators are very used to it. They get into the atmosphere. They have it. What they do have is a feed directly from the ground into their ears. So they're hearing everything that they would be hearing at the ground. And Weirdly and counterintuitively, because we do both here on the Sunday. I would never uh, say we, we don't. And that's more of a post-COVID thing in particular. And the bigger games like Nathan and Brian were there for... Manchester Derby and a couple of other games. Title of Sutter last year. Yeah. yeah. The ironic thing is on radio, so if Nathan and Brian are at a game, they stick a microphone and, and hang it over the, the gantry and, and that picks up as much sound as they can. But if they do it off tube and they get the quote unquote the feed, that has like a TV quality level of, of a number of microphones where you can hear the ball being kicked and you can hear players shouting. Because obviously from the gantry, you're not going to pick up players shouting or the ball being kicked on the far touchline. So ironically, the immersive sound more. aspect is better if you're listening just on radio to yeah, the feed. Yeah. But it's just, it is interesting that they've just had a, a recalibration that doesn't seem to be based on money or anything like that. But it, in some ways, it's even like, you know, do you want, like, you want to go for the big games and still be there, but do you want to be shipped around the world constantly going to things where you could have a kind of a slightly easier, you know, just like have a base and then go somewhere maybe for the slightly bigger yeah, games, you know what I mean? And, just, and, and I do feel like that what happened during COVID was people got used to a certain way and people are probably more accepting of it now, you know? And we don't have to pretend no. to anyone that you're doing something you're not. I do you know? think as well, and not to open this kind of worms here, because I want to get to some of the emails, the carbon footprint of sport needs to be talked about. Yeah. It's off the charts. There's so much wastage and this World Cup is no exception. Apparently, according to the Sunday Business Post, Matt Cooper had a great piece, this World Cup, outside of war, is leaving the biggest carbon footprint of any event in human history. Is that because the amount of people jetting in and out of Doha? It's everything. It's yeah. air-conditioned air conditioning, World Cup yeah. stadiums. Miguel Delaney had a photo of an air-conditioned running track. Everything, the whole enterprise. They, You see, it's so cynical as well because there is an official FIFA position that it's a carbon-neutral World Cup. But the, the, the maths they're using is crazy. It's like, first of all, it's from the start of the World Cup as opposed to, so all the stadiums being built, every single person coming into Qatar for the World Cup isn't counted. The tickets are one way. <laughs> so the flights coming in during the World Cup don't account for the, pe- the fact that everybody has to leave. Yeah. God only knows what other sort of creative accounting has been done, but the idea that it's carbon neutral is so offensive when you have actual evidence like that piece that you're talking about that suggests it's the worst ever. Yeah. It's also impossible to take FIFA's numbers seriously when FIFA are giving capacities which are lower than the attendances which they're publishing for the games. Like straight away you just yeah, go, yeah. right, this is nonsense. The capacities are lower than the attendance? Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Who did the maths on that? Oh, there's regularly it's setting just, out yeah. like uh, like 81,000 is, uh, is the official attendance of the game, but the capacity would be 76 or something. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's just happening every day. What it's like just being diabolical. Just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Twirling of a flash. It's just that kind of way. It's just like, what else can we do? I love, like, I don't love it. You know, that weird macabre kind of way, that thing, the maths. What way can we mix this up to make it look like we're carbon neutral? And just like, ah. Uh, Whatever, just flip it. Those dopes won't understand. You know, it's just... The one I really loved was the press release. It's a great word. What a great word. (laughs) The most successful World Cup of all time. So they compared the viewing figures in Ecuador 
of the game between Ecuador and Qatar with the people in Ecuador watching Saudi Arabia against Russia in 2018, which is just the most beautiful manipulation of stats of all time. Yeah, Ecuador weren't so, even in the World Cup. Oh, yeah. very Trumpy in this, isn't it? Really, since his inauguration, this kind of stuff has become commonplace. Amazing yeah. how that's precipitated this downgrading of standards. That's just lie. Yeah, just yeah. lie. Diabolical. He's, just a, lie. he's a symptom rather than a cause, though. It was heading that way anyway, I think. You know, he was just this, like, speaking of the word diabolical, he was just this incredibly, you know, uh, diabolical. We're going to overuse shameless. it now. We're gonna, yeah. No, but he was, like, just, it's a good word, but he's, he's such a shameless figure. Yeah. And, like, there's never been anyone like him on that. But he wasn't, he didn't bring it all on. No, I'm say. sure. I suspect, though, he's opened the eyes of Manny as to how this is possible and actually allowable and successful. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Just say things enough times and it's your word against mine and everyone will both sides it in the media. Yeah. Alan says, quick one this. Hello, are five subs too many? In an 11 sided game, that's half the outfield players. In brackets, I did the maths. End brackets. Often we see 10 changes being made in the second half. The game's become disjointed. Is it too many? I would say yes. It feels that way. I mean, the idea was to bring this, when they increased the amount of subs during COVID, the idea was to try and, you know, fatigue and the fact that they were racing the season back. And yeah. now games can feel re-disjointed when four to five players come on at the oh, one time. It's like friendly. Loads of other negatives. It's Sven Goran Eriksson friendly. Yeah. Uh, so, Damien was in touch and the subject headline was, uh, subject headline was, what are we more obsessed with? And he writes, to the tangenteers. It's a good name. Beautiful. Mm. Oh my God, are we the Tangenteers? The four Tangenteers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did we, could we be any cooler? As a nation. About Joe Tanyan and the three Tangenteers. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> we have two great sporting obsessions, Damien Fields. Number one, Roy Keane. Number two, the next Ireland rugby number 10. And he says, I'm not just talking about Sexton. Name any other Irish 10 in the past decade. I guess this goes back to Ward Campbell even. Ward Campbell. Uh, but he wonders, which is the bigger national neuroses? As an aside, this has become one of my favourite podcasts when I'm out walking the dog. All round, excellent, irreverent chats, says uh, Damien. So, uh, well, I think this is a fair point to say that Roy Keane and the next Ireland Rugby number 10, both uh, two great sporting obsessions. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything more so. Split the dubs in two? No, not even close. Too short term. Nah, it's, it's not short term. No, Split like, the dubs in two has been going since the 70s. But, I, but yeah, I, no, it's I well behind. Email, it's well and I thought, well, if we're a barometer, if this show is a barometer. I mean, it comes up a lot. <laughs> it's all I talk about. <laughs> Those two things. I swear to God. No, Keane is, Keane is never going away. It's, it's funny, the amount of times I will get sick of Roy Keane and say, we can't do something every time he opens his mouth. And then the next time he opens his mouth, I'm the first one on saying, lads, Keane said this. You know, and I just can't help it. I'm just endlessly fascinated by him. He is... Number one, I there's think. There's never been anyone like him. There never yeah. will be. I think it's Keane one. I think Keane is more of an obsession than the next Irish Rugby 10. Although I probably talk... I've spent more minutes talking about the next Irish I Rugby 10. I seriously wonder when was the last time a week would have passed where one or both wasn't mentioned. I know. Mm. Like... I don't think I, we've had one in ever? the last. Like, when did Off the Ball start? Not that long before, after Saipan? Yeah. So I'd say it was talked about a bit then. And Keen. what was happening in 2002 in a rugby pitch? We had uh, 
Brown Nogara was and Humphreys were still kind of up against yeah. each other around that time until about 05, 06. Yeah. And then Sexton came in now 09. Mm. So there was probably, and, and in between that we had 2007 World Cup where Ron Nogara was the only out half. Can I make, and there was um, a serious, there was as much discussion then when there was none as when there was a controversy. Can I make a, an observation, see if you agree with this. I think the number 10 obsession is because we're a weird nation when it comes to rugby and that participation so low. So of the million people that will watch an Ireland-England-France game, 5% play rugby. So I think actually who plays number 10, and it was helped nicely by the Raj, Humphreys, Raj, Sexton, and now who replaces Sexton. I think that becomes the big talking point. Yes, because it's important, but also because I don't think a lot of us understand what we're watching. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can tell what's going on at the breakdown in a profound way and know why one blindside flanker is better than the other. Unseen work is one of the great staples of rugby. Mm. Like I can't have an opinion on unseen work. It was unseen. By definition. Indeed. Do you mean for the non-rugby hardcore here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, outside of that 5%. But oh, so no, I don't think you will have just have to play it. I think you can be a proper student of the game. Okay, students of the played, game. But, yeah, the game. I, yeah. but I think that, that grand bandwagon that rolls up for Six Nations and World Cup, I think one of the talking points is number 10 because it's something people have an opinion on. It's a bit like NFL as well where the quarterback becomes the obsession of a team. The yeah. out half often becomes the obsession of a team. And even when you look back at some teams that won more cups, it was Dan Carter's New Zealand, it was Johnny Wilkinson's England. They're often defined by who plays at number 10 despite the other players that they have. And this is probably speaks to how good Sexton has been as well, that we've almost taken for granted the last decade or so that Sexton has been the leader of this team and the best player of this team and therefore we all get concerned about him taking over it's even the Sexton obsession is even slightly different to Ward versus Campbell and Rodge versus Humphreys yeah George Hook said many times Joe ever since William Webb Ellis picked up the ball and ran the number 10 has been the most important well that's true position in rugby I, I gave up on the, the impression very yeah, If you're going to start it, uh, finish it. Uh, sorry, I, couldn't, I, I wasn't even committed at the start. Really. I, I, I could actually do a pretty good George. But I'm not. What are we to say, uh, and again, thank you for the email, Damien. What does our Roy Keane neurosis say about us? We can't get past Saipan. Another documentary last Monday. Yeah, well, that, that is... That, that is, is scraping. Without a doubt, true though. There is a, like, you just. You, I think even if Saipan hadn't happened, we'd have the same obsession. I think it's bigger than that. He's Ireland's best ever footballer, so therefore there was always going to be an obsession around Keane anyway. But I think Saipan, because of the way it divided the nation, because you're still getting questions on the promos for that documentary, which are like, could Ireland have got to the World Cup final? Which I'm not sure are entirely genuine, but this idea that if Roy Keane was there, Ireland might have beaten Germany and might have got to the final well, against Kevin Brazil. Kevin reckons it's genuine. Did you see his article on it? I did. I read it last week. Mm. In the Times. I, was like, I feel, I, I thought for a long time our obsession with Keane was a little bit small time. Yeah. Like, that we produce so few figures of this level that it, it, we were just yeah, clinging but the way that the UK has become slightly obsessed with them certainly UK yeah, football that's a fair point. I feel a little bit better about it now because I was going to say it actually is that compelling I was going to maybe couch it in a slightly different way I don't think it's a it's small time I think that it comes from the same place though where I do feel in Ireland that we have this and it, it, it's dwindling a little bit but this obsession with how the world sees us and with someone like Keane who is so divisive and he could be he's someone that I think we can see his character and the negative traits of it and kind of like talk about that but then because he's so international 
when people attack him, there's an inbuilt part of us that kind of like gets defensive mm. of him, and he is. He's this, we want them in the teams of the Premier League era, and we want them as like the best captains of all time. And we want—I I don't know—I feel that there's. The, I think it comes from a place of Ireland, Irish people being obsessed with how the world sees us. Mm. Rashford's just scored a third, by the way. Oh, um, it's cut in from the right-hand side onto his left. Decent shot. Keeper should have saved it, and so it ends up in the net. There I was told a, you that Hammer Wales, didn't I? You were, it a couple of weeks listen, ago. I, I was, he called it early. There was a piece in the Sunday Times, I think it was Paul Rowan, just talking about how Keane is just so box office. Even UK TV is now acknowledged Keane's pretty much the most electric presence there. Mm. And he was saying that the soundings are from the Keane camp and the ITV camp that Keane is actually open to doing I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what was in the piece in the Sunday Times. Oh, I'd hate that. Well, the piece also posited the notion that it could actually elevate Keane to national treasure status over there. Like that, he would do, that he would do so well over there. That he would be so charming, so funny, self-effacing. Much that actually nicer do. than you think. We see, I think when he's not talking about the things which trigger him, i.e. exit from Manchester United, Saipan, all this stuff that just gets him into that space where he can't help himself. When he's just having a cup of tea with Micah Richards, he's just like his, amazingly likeable. His so Instagram like, was pretty wholesome. I know it was his daughter who brought the Instagram out and he's eventually closed it but he got this idea of this wholesome granddad who likes to go for a cycle um, play with his grandkids and just enjoys life bit shy pretty calm I think he'd be endearing in that show he'd have a good chance of winning it yeah well I remember talking to Paul Lambert about it and we joked about the idea of him going into I'm a Celebrity Paul Lambert still keeps in close contact with Keane they're still pretty good mates from their time at Villa Right. and Lambert reckons he'd be perfect for that he thinks that Keane has brilliant comedic timing oh man I would not disagree with that because that was the roadshow that you hosted with Roy Keane and he had the audience laughing all night he doesn't need it though does he money I know well the money and I'm not sure I have no idea I've no idea even what the money would be for that but yeah ego Ego, as much as he probably hate, doesn't Maybe. love that aspect. Though, ironically, you know when he talked to Gary Neville in the overlap interview with, Tri- with I was going to say with Triggs, God. The old dog. Current dog. 20 years old. His latest dog. And he talked about going to restaurants five, six o'clock because he doesn't want to go to restaurants when they're busy and hates being stopped, hates being bothered. There's football famous and then there's... Oh, yeah. I'm a celebrity famous. I mean, that would open up a whole can of worms for him. So maybe he might turn it down on that. I'd be a bit... He has no... There's no, there's, there's no things to rehabilitate. He doesn't have to... He kind of doesn't have to... I don't think he has to go that route at all. No. I don't think he's... Like, you see, wherever with Matt Hancock, Hancock or someone, and it's like... Or even with Jill Scott won it. But I kind of understand that when you're capitalising on a moment where yeah. that team was so... But you know, she he has no... Profile. I mean, he's... A, he's. I don't think he needs it, really. Mm. Did Hancock finish third? He capitalised on the moment of him, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, costing thousands it's a of lives. Old world. How did he do so well to finish third? Well, he's a politician, I suppose. Been charming. Yeah, people were mean? saying that they were kind of hate watching him, and but they, vo- they, 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 they thought he was good in the show. But he did. He had to be voted for. Yeah, it was very strange. Mm. 